Recorded with the most ill of intentions from Fort Worth, Texas, it's RoboTuner's Insignificant Podcast. Sunday, March 15th, 2015, in the year of the Satyr. That's my variation this week on the goat, since we are in the year of the goat. I didn't think I would have to re-explain this to you. <laughs> Greetings, RoboTuner coming at you from Castle Fujiwa, back again with that no-budget podcasting style style for your listening, enjoyment, amusement, disgust, or all of the above. Take your pick. Would you like a napkin, my dear? Why don't you introduce yourself? Hi. <laughs> That's Shelly. Her mouth is full. What? <laughs> All right. Fine. <laughs> My mouth is full of food. Yes. I wasn't gonna. Mm-hmm. I wasn't gonna elaborate. <laughs> I know I elaborated for you. Oh well, thank you for that. I appreciate it very much. Once and as mentioned last week, we have one half of the Chubacaba police. Please welcome my sister, Heather Soden. <laughs> Hello. Um, I'm actually one and a half of Chupacabra Policia members. There are far more. Um, this is actually Chupa 3.0 that we're in. Currently. Oh, is it really? Yeah. I thought that was something that you and Mike just came up with on your own. Oh, I thought no, it was just no, no, no. We, we, we had to be voted in. We are not actually official Chupas yet. So um, we, nice. we are on probation. We are Chupions, actually. So. Uh, Chupions? <laughs> Just wanted to clarify. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. I'll have you talk about more of that more of that later. Anyway, so welcome to Occurrence Ten, everybody. You can't hear anything. Okay, <laughs> I'll cut that out. <laughs> so welcome to Occurrence Ten, everybody. Wanted to start off by saying that I have turned the big thirty-six. Yes, and for my cake, I actually had. Thank you for the applause. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm thirty-six. And for my cake, my lovely Shelly made me. We actually had uh, just a big scented candle with three wicks on it. And I thought, <laughs> hey, that's pretty appropriate. For every wick, just add 12 years. Okay. Well, yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it? You get it, right? Yeah, I get it. <laughs> all right, but yeah, spring break is over as of today. All the kids going back to school. I had a nice time with Ainsley. Had her most of the week. Got caught up on some fairy tale, one of our favorite animes to watch together. And today we actually went and saw a magician at the Arlington Improv. And honestly, he was entertaining. And after seeing his show, I actually feel better about myself. You want to know why? I don't feel so badly about our own now. But I also found that he was funnier than the comedy defensive driving school. And if any anyone out there has ever taken one, either in person or on online, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, go ahead. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Oh, no, nothing. I was just waiting for you to... I'm like, I don't know whether to talk or not or to interact because... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I didn't know if you wanted to wait until segments. So. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Um. You were there, too. Yeah. The, <laughs> the... I think he was a good card magician. I think he still needs a little work on his presentation and not being quite as Nervous. detailed as he was because uh, the, for the age range especially, those kids were did not have the attention span that was necessary for something that long. 
Yeah, and actually ran right at an hour, too. Yeah. Which I think he probably had to stretch his normal act a little bit just to be able to fulfill contractual obligations with the um, with the club yeah. people. I completely agree. I think he was stretching. Yeah. I mean, he was he was entertaining. There was one or two tricks where it's like, okay, the water trick, yeah, I saw the little cap <laughs> underneath there. He kind of flubbed it. But, you know, if you just keep going and you don't worry about drawing attention to it, nobody notices. Do you think maybe this is one of his first performances and maybe um, he's just trying to get into it and maybe make a little extra money because maybe he's local? Mm, I, I don't think he's a first-time performer. Just because he seemed really comfortable on stage, um, I think he's probably new to the area. Okay. I, I don't. I don't think that it was his first go around being a performing magician. Yeah, it sounded like he was from Australia or maybe New Zealand, one of those places. I think he said Australia. Oh, I, I didn't hear him say that. When yeah. they introduced him, they said it was Australia. Oh, okay. I didn't hear that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it was that was actually mom and dad's birthday present to uh, to me. And I thought, you know, for for what it was worth, I thought it was all right. Ainsley had fun. <laughs> that was actually the best part was listening to her laugh about that dumb net tricks joke. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so this so this magician, he opens up, he get for one of his gags, he brought out an envelope and he said, "This is one of my, this is how I've learned about most of my tri- tricks." And he held up this uh, postal service envelope and it says instead of saying Netflix on it, it says net tricks, but it's in the same font. And Ainsley just died laughing at that. <laughs> Yeah, that was one of a one of the highlights of the night or of the the performance was hearing her laugh so hard no, at that. No, hold on. I think what? the other highlight and Heather and I laughed our butts <laughs> off was because and you weren't there when this happened. We walked in and there was a free table right close to the stage. Oh, <laughs> I know where you're going with this. And your mom was like, "No, no, no. I don't want to get called up there. We're not going to sit there." So that's why we sat towards, you know, the back of where the regular audience was. And lo and behold, he called on your mom, and I bet your mom was about to pee her pants. Oh, I know she was going. <laughs> yeah, to. she she hid behind our dad whenever he said, "This woman over here and the in the white hoodie. What's your name?" <laughs> and Shelly and I just looked at each other and just started dying. Yeah. And for those of you out there who aren't familiar with our mother or don't know us, and thereby extension know her. She has the biggest social phobias, just being out in public sometimes. Grandma's was worse. And it was, but it's so mom's not entirely off her rocker like grandma was, but she, she just does not like attention being drawn to herself in any form, fashion, or whatever. That is true. And Mike saw her reaction. He said, I knew that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. He said... I don't know what it is, but something about magicians, stage magicians, or any sort of act like that, where you have a hypnotist, they automatically go to the person who least wants to be on stage and pick them out of a crowd of a thousand. That's like going to a uh, going to a, a haunted house on Halloween, where they're there to scare people. And they can pick that person that's the scaredest out of the group and just terrorize them the whole time. It's like they look for those people. Did you look for those kind of people when you worked there? <laughs> well, no. Because I know you were at Fly, did Fright Flight, uh, Fright Fest at Six Flags a couple times. Um, or no, just once, right? Just wasn't it? the once, that's right. yeah. But that was uh, that was my first job, and it was my favorite job I've ever had. It was so much fun. Because you didn't really even have to do anything. Uh, the less that you did, the better off you were. 
because well, for one thing, it's a health hazard to be jumping off of two-story things that they've built, and there's nails, and it's dark, and you can't see anything. So they'd tell you to hide in the back of a corner and not move until the group that was coming through got about halfway there, and then they see it out of the corner of their eye, and then that's when you move forward with your hands, your face, but you don't even make noise then. They do that themselves because that freaks them out so much worse than anything else. But in that particular case, you weren't necessarily looking for people. It was formulaic, but it works. <laughs> the formula really works. Yeah, I imagine it did. Yeah, well, that's where the, I had my stalker experience with a haunted house where the dude just wouldn't leave me alone and cornered me in the corner. Mm. And I was like, I, I don't like this. I think it depends on the haunted house because I know that with, I think, Hangman's they did that. But they had a little bit more leeway there. I mean, they had people that were on bungee cords that would leap off of the walls and would go after you. Um, mm. And some, I know in a lot of haunted houses, they'll find the person in the back of the line and creep up behind them. That's and, me. Yeah. <laughs> so they didn't do that with the one I was in. It was strictly a walkthrough and you... You hung on to the person in front of you, and that was it. So, Well, for my other present that you had got me, Shelly, I got the Star Wars Vault 30 Years of Treasures from the Lucasfilm Archives, which is another book. And this one is actually, I thought, was pretty kick-ass. It's nothing but, well, I wouldn't say it's nothing, but it's it's all about memorabilia from whenever the Star Wars movies came out. Uh, and it even has some of the actual things in there, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they have um, excerpts from the screenplays, early concept art. Um, they even had uh, industrial... Like, uh, they had letterheads, uh, letterheads for Industrial Light and Magic in Lucasfilm. And they actually had the pages that were actually shoved inside the book itself. Um, a couple other cool things, too. They had... Yeah, I was getting to that. They had an, oh. an actual real-life Star Wars iron-on, which I am going to use. Oh, my god! Yes. I think you had one of those shirts when you were three. I did, I did. But this, I don't want you but what's cool about this it. one is, is because it's in the original font that they used that actually, it's not like the, the actual Star Wars font that anyone knows about today is the one that they were going to use before it. So I think that makes it that much, that much cooler. Yeah, I didn't want you to use that, but it's your book. <laughs> Well, everything else in there I'm not touching, though. Okay. Yeah. If you want to, uh, Celeste now has something called... It's like the cricket machine. It's called a silhouette. Yeah. So she could probably do one that would involve you not having to use the one out of your book if she's got the pattern for it. Oh, okay. So, yeah. It's very complicated stuff, apparently. Who would have thought? I I don't know. It's vector graphics. Oh. Yeah, you have to have classes to learn how to use this thing. Mm -hmm. I'm... I didn't have a clue. I'm like, that's all you. <laughs> you can make my t-shirts for me. Yeah, especially <laughs> if you're programming and you're not doing it freehand with like a program like CAD, because I know that's what Dad used for the longest time. That's basically what it is. Is it's a CAD printer that because it's not just vinyl cutouts. It's everything from cardstock to making three dimensional items, and it's it's pretty complicated. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway, but the the book was really kick ass. I thought that it had some it had a lot of stuff in there that i didn't even know about and i've i've seen a little like a lot of the early stuff of star wars you know of star wars art and some of the advertisements and even like little known facts like return of the jedi was supposed to be called the revenge of the jedi 
and uh, but even had some production photos that I never I never seen before either. So yeah. Anyway, I, definitely. I thought it was a pretty good find when I it found was. it. I was like, oh, this is it. Because I was having a hard time trying to figure out what to get you because I always, for your birthdays, every year I've always gotten you a vault. Well, they haven't come up with a new vault yet. And I was like, well, what is there to get him? I was going to get you the R2-D2 measuring cup set and the uh, Star Wars toaster for the kitchen. Yeah, that actually has Star Wars on the actual toast once it pops up. Yeah, I thought that was pretty neat. That would be even cool if it made uh, the Star Wars door opening whenever it pops up. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> that would be cool. Um, but I, when I came across this book, I was like, oh, ooh. So ooh. I think you'll like that. Yeah, it was awesome. Hey, have you guys seen the... I know you have, Shelly. Heather, have you seen the Sarah Michelle Geller and Whitney Avalon epic princess rap battle, Cinderella versus Belle? Oh, no. Oh, it is <laughs> Watch it. It is hilarious. <laughs> I love the epic rap battles. They're, they're pretty darn funny. Yeah, I'll have to look for that one. Yeah, and they, it, it actually stars Sarah, Sarah Michelle Geller as Cinderella. Cinderella. And then the other chick, Whitney cool. Avalon, she was Belle. She was actually the one that owns the YouTube channel that published it. Yeah, that's so, awesome. Oh, it was. And you know how they always say, which one do you think won? I think Cinderella won, but that's just me. Yeah, that well, was yeah, good. it's Buffy. I mean, I know, right? <laughs> Who could go wrong with Buffy? Our mom was a huge fan of Buffy. Oh, I love Buffy. I love Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, Andy and I would. Everybody, shut up! <laughs> Buffy's on. Don't talk. Mm-hmm. And then mom got into it. And that she kept out that tapestry forever. The one that said, "If the pop, the apocalypse comes, beep me." Yeah, I think that was like a Mother's Day present I had gotten for her one year. I don't remember. She liked it. <laughs> right next to the Dallas Star stuff. Yep. <laughs> we love you, Joss Whedon. So, the other thing I was going to say is that Sam Simon, the co-creator of The Simpsons, died a couple days ago. He was 59, died of colorectal cancer. You know, he gave his remaining fortune to charities because his family and what he was leaving them, they were already going to be all taken care of. Well, and he didn't have any kids either. Oh, he had a domestic partner, I think. Yeah, but I mean, that's... Yeah, they were taken care of, I'm sure, with insurance and with what he had set aside. Yeah. Yeah, I think he gave most of his, um, I know he gave some to PETA, because he was really big on animal rights, and he had several other charities. I think he just gave it all away, but, I mean, that's, that's the way to do it. Yeah, and I haven't, I haven't watched The Simpsons for years. I think I stopped watching it frequently in 98, I want to say. I don't think I've watched, seen a single new episode since then. I remember when The Simpsons d- turned me off. It was the the episode where they were on the island, and it just was so ridiculous and stupid. Mm. And I said, you know, I'm really kind of wasting my time. But it was okay because Buffy was on. So. Oh, <laughs> oh, but, so it it was preceding or coming out after Buffy? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I would rather watch South uh, episodes of South Park now rather than The Simpsons, only because I don't know. I lost interest in them years ago. But I I'm like surprised Family it's still Guy on. and American oh, Dad I love Family Guy. better than The Simpsons. I hate to say that, but I do. I I'm love Seth MacFarlane. Family Guy is good for what it is. It's good for lowbrow humor. I actually kind of prefer American Dad. Yeah, I, I like lowbrow humor a lot. Good morning, USA. I, I agree with you, American Dad. Um, just I, I caught on to watching it, and I, if I were having the choice between uh, 
Family Guy and American Dad right now would be American Dad. Yeah. That one and South Park, I mean, their their writing has been consistently good over the years. And it's not like they just stayed with South Park. They went on to do Book of Mormon, which is huge. They're going to make a second Book of Mormon, actually. Oh, wow. They, and I know that they're about to replace the staff, not the staff, but the actors that are in this round. Because, you know, the actors want to go on and do other things. So. Um, but there's that and... I was going somewhere with this, and my train just derailed. I don't remember. There's Team America, World Police, Basketball. There was, well, start with Cannibal the Musical. Yeah. Uh, In that little town? I finally showed that to her about a year ago, a year or two ago. (laughs) Yeah, it was not one of their better ones. What was the first one? Well, it was like, it was the one that actually brought them into the that was their Mainstream. college project. Yeah, their it was. Their senior year college project. But That's all I'm asking for. Oh, that for. was where I was going with it. So Spoiled I'm uncle. sure you guys have seen Drawn Together. Yeah, yes. it's been oh years, though. Oh, my gosh. That show is horrible. It, it, have you ever seen the Drawn Together movie? What? No. They had a movie? Oh, don't even waste your time. Mm-hmm. Because they end up, they kind of rake in South Park into it because they have a Cartman-like character in there. I think the name was Stinky Little Taint Girl. <laughs> it was, and had a what? song and everything. Seriously, that movie, the Drawn Together movie, is probably one of the top ten worst movies I've ever seen in my life. It, it ranks outranks Benji the Hunted. Or Joe it's, versus a Volcano. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. That one was equally horrible. I mean, I was eight in the movie theater watching it and going, I need my money back. <laughs> yeah. So was I. I think we all were in the theater watching that. And it was the dollar movies. I know. Your feet stuck to the, the floor. <laughs> you know, the Belair is actually, well, it's not called the Bel Air anymore, but it's some kind of performance arts center now. They, I think it's a theater. Yeah, yeah it's an acting theater. troupe. Yeah, I took Ainsley there like two years ago because they have a one that's just for kids. Mm-hmm. And I brought her there to see like a Snow White rendition of, uh, or Christmas rendition. It's basically everything that happens in the story, but it happened instead of um, the like the Wicked Queen kidnaps Santa Claus, and but otherwise the story's the same. Oh, it was cute. Why are you pointing at your screen? What are you trying to sell? News first. We are. Oh yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, we are. The magic of editing. Go, Shelley. <laughs> All right. So, <clears throat> I was uh, I was looking at some stories and I found this one about a woman who claims Kurt Cobain is living inside of her. Sexy. Yeah, she said. <laughs> She said she feels like Kurt Cobain is living inside her soul along with River Phoenix. God, I've never heard of anyone naming their IUDs, but go on. Uh, And this is what she says. She says, I am Kurt Cobain's true wife. Kurt died of murder. This is what his spirit tells me. He is living inside my body along with my half-brother, River Phoenix. We are God's children along with Jared Leto. This means God created four extremely talented kids that he wanted to call his own when Kurt and River died. Their, <laughs> their souls came to my body, as will Jared's when he dies. Jared is Kurt's half-brother, River is my half-brother, and Kurt is my husband. You know what? I bet this bitch stalked the barber shop or hairdresser place that cut his hair for the new Joker role that he's doing. I don't know. So she could have part of his DNA. So you know, that just sounds like she a could keep really legacy sad going mental case to me. I mean, because that's that's straight schizophrenia right there. I've I've got pity for people like that. That's hmm. yeah. She said he w- it was created by God to be married. That Kurt is her husband and was created by God to be married. And we were married by God since birth. Kurt has loved me his whole life and has been writing songs about me since the Nevermind album. But what about Frances Bean? Is she claiming her too? 
didn't say anything about that, but yeah. she talked a lot about Kurt's lyrics. Smells like Teen Spirit is about me, where Kurt relays, she's overboard and self-assured. Oh no, I know a dirty word. That is Kurt referring to our age difference, 11 years apart. <laughs> yeah, that's schizophrenia. One plus one equals two, the sign of love through God's eyes. This is a, this yep. is a story you should focus on. Anyway, uh, he, she says, Kurt never loved Courtney and only sang about her once in Heart-Shaped Box where he fer- refers to how he hated himself for falling into her magnet tar, tar pit, pit trap. trap vagina. He also speaks of me in this song where he relays, cut myself an angel hair and baby's breath, mentioning my blonde hair and our age difference. Whew. Referring to me as a baby. I'm also... The little girl depicted jumping up and down, trying to pop the fetus that hangs from the tree in the heart-shaped box video. She has absolutely uh, overanalyzed his videos. That's that's mental illness. That is straight schizophrenic yeah. behavior because they tend to focus on not only the mathematical issues like numbers. Like, they will get obsessive, compulsive about, say, things that have the number 12 in them, and especially um, things with relation to God and with, I mean, think about how many people you see on the street corner talking about how they're the next coming of Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this woman needs some serious help. But she she did mention Francis. Um, I I just uh, saw that part. Uh, It says, in the part where she's popping the fetus, it says this is Kurt's. That <laughs> was so wrong. <laughs> she said this is Kurt's relaying that he knew I did not want him to have that baby with Courtney Love, and he even refers to Francis as a pet virus in the song "Milk It." <sighs> I want myself I my own pet virus. virus. I get to pet to and name her. Her milk is my shit. My shit is her milk. That is really gross. Test made. We asked her if Kurt plays music or writes lyrics through her, and she has had contact with Courtney. I've tried on numerous occasions to contact Courtney, and she ignores me. She knows what she did. Yes, River and Kurt both speak to me as a voice. So, yeah, there's the schizophrenia right there. I've actually written songs with Kurt this way, and I'm trying to get those produced. How's that going for her, I wonder? I'm sure that Geffen and Capital are returning all of her calls. She's going to get a lawyer to sue Courtney Love for all of Kurt's earnings, music rights, and all of his possessions, as well as Geffen Records for $300 million for all they earn from Kurt's untimely death. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, that wouldn't go to court for a while. I'm sure that she's already has a class action lawsuit from that one gig that was uploaded by that sound guy where he took out all the tracks except for her guitar and her vocals. <laughs> and it sounded like... Now I know why she tours with... Two other guitarists when she tours because they play all the fucking guitar parts. It's like her signal was dry, no effects, no distortion, and she was only playing on certain parts. And they probably had her buried in the mix and the two of the other two guitarists up to where you could actually hear oh, yeah. them. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, because she is terrible. Terrible. Or at least live she is. You know? She's terrible anyway. They... Did I, you, are you talking about where they separated her music from everybody else's? Yeah, yeah. They just had her vocals and her guitar track. Terrible. Yes. Terrible. If she was really playing the guitar, it would not sound like that. Yeah, and that and the, the dude said the dude who uploaded the video claimed to be the guy running the soundboard that night, but they didn't well, whoever was supposed to pay him didn't. 
So oh as his revenge, he up, <laughs> yeah, he isolated Good her vocal him. and guitar tracks and uploaded it on a YouTube. And he says, you don't believe me? Here's the original video. Yeah. <laughs> so on that same track, have you guys ever seen the documentary called The Devil and Daniel Johnston? No. no. Who's that? If you get a chance, watch it. And it's been out on video for years. I think it was it came out in like early 2000s. But um, one of the still shots that they use is Kurt Cobain wearing a t-shirt with this little funky looking alien on the front that says hello. And it was the creation of a guy named Daniel Johnson who sounds exactly like that nutcase lady that we were you were just talking about. And he's been he he is a savant basically. He's a brilliant musician in some ways and in and big name stars. I mean Kurt Cobain was a fan when he was alive. I mean they have interviews with all these big people. Um, I think, uh, oh, guy from, uh, shoot, I can't remember his name. Mr. Peppermint's son. Um, oh, Gibby Haynes. Yeah. Yeah. Gabby from Haynes. Surfers. They interview him. He's in, he's in a dentist's office getting a root canal when they're interviewing him <laughs> about Daniel Johnson. And it's a fascinating <laughs> wow. tale about how I think he was born on the East Coast and one day just decided he was going to you know, work in a carnival and go to Austin and lived in Austin and started, was one of the original, you know, Seventh Street music, musicians and ended up getting a record contract. But he was so crazy that he wasn't able to even function. He ended up basically, his parents had to take custody of him by the end of it. And the wrap-up, which oddly enough goes back into the Simpsons conversation, the last scene in it, he gets to meet Matt Groening, who comes up and says, I've been a fan of yours for years. And he's like, oh my god, I met Matt Groening! (laughs) (laughs) And some of his stuff is totally unlistenable. I mean, it's it's really, really difficult because it's like the word salad, but with music applied. It's just noise and everything. But it's Mm -hmm. an awesome documentary, so if you get a chance to watch it, watch it. No, okay. I think it will. All right. Um, what else you got, babe? Well, apparently there is a um, a, fir- a, a firm, an architectural firm, that's proposing to build a tornado-shaped skyscraper in downtown Tulsa. Can they build North ca- earthquake-shaped one in Irving? <laughs> <laughs> right where the Cowboy Stadium used to be. Oh yeah, right there. That would be a perfect. That's place. why we don't have that there anymore. <laughs> anyway, I'm looking at the picture, and I know you guys out there can't see the picture of it, but this is an amazing thing to look at. I, c- I couldn't even imagine being able to look at that every day, yet, let alone go inside of it. It has a roof terrace. It has a revolving restaurant, an outdoor terrace, a multi-purpose convention space, outdoor terrace on the other side. Like on each side, it has an outdoor terrace. It also has an observation deck. It has a weather research center, a severe storms laboratory, and then Oklahoma Weather Museum. Okay, that's kind of cool. It has a rooftop garden, and then it has classrooms and an auditorium. But my, my problem with this, and it's got glass on the outside, so it's, it's, it's an actual, I think it's a blue type of glass or something. It's very beautiful to look at, but this is in Oklahoma, and you know what happens in Oklahoma Yep, tornadoes. That's right. why it's it's ironic and funny at the same time. Yeah, but can you imagine if a tornado blew through Tulsa and knocked that whole building down? How how ridiculous is that? And, I, and ironic any, too. Yeah. Does it say anything about them putting in specific um, safety 
items to keep that to still uh, stabilize it or anything or it doesn't say anything about that it just says that it's an iconic symbol of the city in oklahoma which is tornado alley he said wow yeah that's just inviting trouble that's what i think i'm like that yeah that's like chernobyl reopening their amusements at park <laughs> section <laughs> <laughs> you were talking about the revolving restaurant, and all I could picture was the Wicked Witch of the West going by. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't it be cool if they just had it out on like a like a, a wire, and they had the, like a w- Wicked Witch silhouette, <laughs> and then music that played That would be awesome. Yeah, you know what? Japan Japan actually needs like a three eyed fish building similar to that, right by Fukushima. Oh, that's so wrong. <laughs> anyway, I just thought that was interesting, and especially. Is ironic because it's in the middle of Tulsa, which is Tornado Alley. So we're sorry, Tulsa, if you're <laughs> anyone is from there or lives there. Well, it's better than a federal building looking like an explosion, <laughs> right? Well, Ooh, no, that would be terrible. Oklahoma City? No, Tulsa. Oh, okay. I thought. <laughs> sorry, okay. that was a joke in really, really poor taste. Oh. I take it back. <laughs> we're all okay. about poor taste here. So um, I found this. You should listen. And. To are you done? Yeah, I'm done. Are you sure? Yes. Because I've tried plug. to start three times and you keep blah, blah, blah. It's my show. Go on. I do what I want. <laughs> All right. So in in show. Britain, um, <laughs> in Britain, they actually have a bus that will soon be in service in Bristol that could provide a sustainable way of fueling public transportation. And... It is called the Pooh Bus. And it run- okay, sorry, go on. It runs entirely on gas generated by human and food waste and is to go into regular service later this month. Sweet. Yeah. So, basic- so it's operated on methane? Uh, that's what I'm thinking. It's called the Bio Bus. Uh, well, the Pooh Bus, the Bio Bus. It's the same thing. Um, it's powered by biomethane gas. And it will use waste for more than 32,000 households along its 15-mile route. So it'll stop and, I guess, fill up at the sewers? See, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, you know, it, this could actually work in a couple of ways because, you know, you think about the number of homeless people that ride public transportation and they never have access to bathrooms. So you keep a bathroom on the bus that has a um, manure toilet in there and so you've got the homeless people that are already taken care of with their bathrooms and they don't have to worry, you don't have to worry about smelling them and you're fueling their transportation at the same time. I think this is, yeah, this there you is go. really great. I think this is a great idea. It's just funny because on the side of the bus, it just shows people sitting on toilets. We'll never see this in America. <laughs> no, America. Well, that's the one thing that I'm wondering is if they're using a methane engine based engine system is... Are they using already processed humanure, or are they like doing refining it, it somehow? Yeah, yeah. Because you're you're right. I mean, do they stop like it? Do they have poo pickup? Or? Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you something that I've learned since my my dad actually works at the landfills. Mm-hmm. They have a. Um, were you just providing us with some methane for this bus? <laughs> Is that what you just did? What? No. That oh, was okay. the dog. <laughs> Sounded like you. No, it wasn't the dog either. All right. But anyway. Um, <laughs> it was the bird. They actually have pipes that come up out of the uh, landfill that lets the gas out. Because if not, it would catch on fire. Mm. There's all kinds of things that could go wrong. Because there's so much heat that builds up underneath all of that 
trash and you know sewage that's in the landfills and everything that they put out there that they have to run these pipes out to not only let the heat out but also to let the methane gas out so that it doesn't explode that's one of the reasons you have to turn your compost on a regular basis too is because it generates so much heat that you do stand the risk of having a fire if you have say too much dry stuff in there or it exploding um there's actually a video out there I don't remember where it was. I think it was in Washington State or somewhere that there was a farm that had taken their compost and it wasn't even food scraps. It was leftover um, limbs and leaves from where they had trimmed and they had built it up into this big pile over the top of copper piping, which was attached to their water source. So they had they didn't have to pay for heating their water. Their compost heap was doing it all for them. Oh, yeah. Sweet. Oh, yeah. Um, and so... If they're pulling pipes up out of this landfill, I'm sure that they have found a way to attach some sort of mechanism so that they could entrap the methane gas and then be able to use that as a fuel. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking that's pretty much how they're doing this. Yeah, because the the only my only worry would be is if they're actually if the engine that they're using is actually processing the poop while it's running is you've got a serious issue with disease potential right there. Yeah. I think it's yeah. just the gas itself. It does say that it's just using biomethane gas. So they're probably pumping it from the dump. Like you were saying. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. But I thought that was interesting Pump from the dump and it's the poo bus and it's set for number two passenger service, which I don't know what that is. <laughs> number two passenger service. <laughs> <laughs> Who works for number two? <laughs> That's right. You show that turn to his boss. I wanted to also, I saw this article and I thought, you know, we all think piranhas and we think about all the movies that we've watched about piranhas. And, and the Tripping Daisy song. And we take things about piranhas really lightly because, you know, they're little teeny tiny fish with teeth and you wouldn't think that they would be as vicious even though the movies show them. They are as vicious as the movie shows them to be. They will eat you up. They will eat you up. There was a man who was fishing in Brazil and apparently they have a lot of piranhas in the water in Brazil. And he just threw a chunk of meat into it into some piranha-infested waters. And in the movies, you see the water bubbling up and you see, you know, all the heads of the fish going crazy. That's exactly what happened to the T. He threw the meat in and the piranhas just devoured the meat. So can you imagine if a whole human being falls into a group of piranhas, what happens? Mm. Well, it depends on if there's any blood or not. Because what they're going for is the blood content because they smell it like sharks do. So, Because, I mean, I think it was Andrew Zimmern who had it on there. It was him or Anthony Bourdain. One of them was going through Brazil and had it on the documentary about these guys are wading through a whole school of piranhas and they're not getting touched. But it was because they're not food they're not seen as food so they're just smelling the blood basically yeah what you're saying okay well that makes sense i'm still not going to get into a uh <laughs> i'm not going to get into some piranhas not going to do it nope. so even if i was in a in a cage i would not do it i wouldn't even I feel the same it. way about sharks and other yeah I would not do it on a boat. I would not do it in a boat. <laughs> Plus, I would I would not want to go to Australia anyway and go swimming in the ocean because I worry about shit like urukanji. You know what that is? Little teeny tiny, mi- almost microscopic jellyfish, which their venom. I'll put it to you this way: I saw 
a show on Discovery Channel once where these two, the two hosts of the show, they accidentally both fell into an area that was known to have Urukanji. They spent a week in a hospital in excruciating pain, and they gave them the maximum dosage of painkillers that they could legally and medically give them. Because and they were still wrenching in pain. Are yeah. those the ones that swim up your bladder? I oh. don't know about no, that. I don't think so. There's, I think it's some fish in Africa that's so tiny that it, they tell you not to pee off the boat if you're a guy because it will swim up the pee and it will swim into your urethra. Ooh. Yeah. That's now, one hell of a way to die. I'm just yeah. going to say this. Not quickly either. No, <laughs> if I ever went to Australia, all. I would not get in the water. I know people That's get in the water saying. all the time. But they, even Australians, the scientists say that the most dangerous place that has the most concentrated amount of poisonous or dangerous animals is Australia. They say they have the, the most poisonous snakes. They have the most poisonous spiders. They have the biggest sharks over there. You know, just like you said, those little bitty jellyfish. The cane toads. Jeez, I, I'm out. Out. Nope. Nope, I'm out. No I used to really want to go to Australia. And, you know, the critter thing doesn't bother me so much. It was just because it was about as far away from Texas as you could get. <laughs> nope. <laughs> but with... I had a friend who actually went down there. Or, no, she she wasn't there, but she dated a guy who was Australian when she was in the Navy. She was like, every single guy that I've met that's been Australian has been a total jerk. <laughs> because they have that machismo. And they just go out of their way to be rude and nasty to people. So Unless they're bad magicians, and then, then yeah. they're just dull. <laughs> hey there, Sheila. What's shaking? <laughs> anyway, um... Yeah, so I'm out on Australia on that, but just, you know, stay out of piranha-infested waters. That's all I have to say over there. I also found an article about a mother who says she thinks she's raising a possible serial killer. Has she tried to kill her baby yet? No. She, uh, she says that her son, she adopted him from a, a meth addict when he was a baby. And now he is displaying disturbing behavior. He was he was also addicted to drugs when he was born, which you know I I don't know if anybody's read these stories or seen these uh, documentaries. But when a child is addicted to drugs when they're born, sometimes they have some issues with their mentality. It happens. Um, but what she's saying he's doing this this is downright just ridiculous um he has chopped his fingertips off he had a friend called bleeder he threatened to kill his family he frequently held his breath so long that he passes out and he talks about stabbing his family and how he's going to lift the knives up over his head and plunge them into their chests so that he gets the best impact and so, basically, that's her biggest fear is that she's raising a serial killer. Have your kid committed. That, well, see, that's the problem is that that's extremely common, not necessarily just from kids who have been born addicted to drugs, um, because that can be overcome. I mean, they've already got some damage and they're going to have emotional issues, but it's when they're institutionalized that that is usually where most of the damage comes from because they're being moved every couple of weeks or a couple of months. And then the families that take them 
most, I hate to say it, but I've known a lot of kids who have come from the foster care system. Not one of them liked their, like, being moved around, and all of them got abused at some point or another. That is true. Because their family, the families that have taken them in are going off the image of, oh, I'm such a good, nice person. Look, I'm taking in children that aren't my own, and they're doing it because they're pedophiles, or they're just wanting house slaves, which happens a lot. And the kids are miserable and mean, and they're being abused, and they don't have anybody to help them. I mean, it's a really, really sad situation. Yeah, but what about this? Uh, what about this person that Shelley just talked about? I guarantee you, he has been molested, <laughs> and probably still is. Yeah, because it didn't say that they adopted this child right straight from the mother. It oh, just said that they adopted birth? him as a, a baby. Care kid. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and uh, and being a baby. Uh, doesn't necessarily mean that you're just straight from the womb. It can be all the way up till two years old. You're yeah. still a baby up till two. And then you're a toddler or, you know, a, a kid or child. But anyway, I watched a documentary about a little girl who, and I can't remember her name right now, but it's on uh, Netflix if you want to watch it. And she went through the same thing and she had a family that adopted her. And... You know, they're a Christian family is what they said. And they were. They were a Christian family and they went to church. But a lot of problems with, with kids that are adopted after they've been in a, in a situation where they're being abused or they're not getting the attention that they need. They separate themselves and they ha- it's a dysfunction. It's like, you know, how I, I go to Markham and he hugs me and I hug him back and you can see that we love each other. You can hug these children and they'll hug you back, but it's like a separation. And they may, th- you know, they may love you, but it's not, it's nothing personal to them. Well, and chances are he's probably not the only foster kid that they've had, too. And other, fo- even if you have one foster kid that's pretty okay, the other ones that come in probably aren't. And they've got other issues that they're dealing with. Like I was reading an article a couple of months back about a uh, woman who, had set up a second chance adoption system for kids who specifically had been fostered out to parents who, you know, for the best intentions realized that this kid was more than they could handle. And there was one particular set of girls that had been adopted out of Africa. Um, One girl was, I think somewhere around six. The other was a little bit older being about 11 or 13. And the adoption agency sold them a bill of goods. I mean, this couple had gone over to Africa, had met the girls a couple of times, but because it was kind of a chaotic situation, they never really got time to be with the kids individually. They were just told, oh, yeah, they're they're best friends. They never are separate from each other. Well, it turned out the older girl had been bullying the younger girl. And so they got these two girls over to America And the poor little girl that was being picked on had no way of being able to defend herself. And then they were realized that they weren't even sisters. They were just, they weren't even related. They weren't even cousins. And the, the adoption agency had just told them whatever they came up with just to be able to get them out because there's a zillion other kids like it. And they were making money. Sad. Yep. It's all about the money. Well, this one girl, the, the little girl I'm talking about, they sent her to a facility and she had to learn how to be a person because she wasn't really functioning as a person anymore. So she had chores she had to do. She had to get up at a certain time. She had counseling she had to go to. She had schools she had to go to. She had to learn to function in 
a family. Like, take care of yourself. Take care of the people around you. Um, she had to learn how to communicate. She had to learn how to feel love and how to give love. I mean, it was a long process. She never actually got to be back with yeah. her original adopting family because of this. Mm. However, she has developed into a really great mom. She has children of her own. She's able to feel things like she felt no remorse for anything she had threatened to do to anybody and she wouldn't cry she never cried before that and then after she went to this home where they taught her all these things she understood that what she was doing had was wrong what she was saying was wrong and she felt remorse for it and started crying but that's because they had to literally get past all of those emotional scars from all of the just abuse that she had felt and yeah. at some point you just become numb yeah and so I, I think in some cases yeah. i mean if everybody here i'm sure has watched dexter at some point yeah. a lot of that is really really accurate I, I mean just having known people throughout the years who have been through the system you know at some at a certain point you just shut down if you ever had the ability to be able to feel in the first place i mean the babies that were in the romanian orphanage orphanages you know you watch documentaries about them now right and they're all drug addicted and they said yeah we didn't get any attention any nope. affection nobody touched us and so they don't have anything to base it off of well, that's and not a bad thing i don't want anyone growth. to touch me either well no it was uh, are you familiar with what it, what happened <laughs> with the <laughs> romanian uh, orphanages in the them. 80s they just N left no. them they, there was a state program so basically, it was like the president coming and saying, everybody here has to start breeding. I don't care if you've already got six kids. You are going to have kids to be what? able to continue the communist machine. Nah. So these poor women were having babies that they couldn't afford. And so they'd have to give them up to the state-run orphanages. And there were so many babies that they just couldn't be handled. Uh, they, they didn't have the ability to feed them, to take care of them all. And so these poor babies just laid in their cribs for hours and days and days and days with no interaction. No interaction, no touch, no anything. And then when they finally killed, um, oh, what was his name? Um... The know. despot and his wife. They basically oh. it was it was mob mentality. They broke uh, they broke into the uh, the mansion that they were living in, and they uh, and they dragged him out into the street and shot him. <laughs> so dang yeah, and they they had it coming. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I never knew about that story. Actually, yeah. I was trying to make a lighthearted joke out of it, and it just went. <laughs> yeah, that was no, it didn't go over heads. <laughs> no. I know it didn't go over years. Yeah. Anyway. Thank Yay, you. Empty cake well, that's all I got. <laughs> that's all the news? That's all I got. Okay. So, so my dear sister, let us turn the attention towards you. First off, I want to hear more about this Chubacaba police because I always thought it was just something that you made up. I <laughs> not was, or that you and Mike made up. All right. So, no. All right. Let me give a little bit of background here. For those of you who are listening, there needs to be a little explanation about Burning Man. So... Most people have heard of it just because 2020 does, you know, documentary stuff or the little sound bites that they need to fill in. Um, Burning Man is a big event that happens out in the Nevada desert every year in Black Rock City. They Every year they find the center of where, where the city is going to be created and they have a set number of tickets and it's seven days worth of radical self-reliance. And this idea is... 
got to be so big because it's more than just taking all of your camping equipment out and living, being able to, being able to rely on yourself for this amount of time. It's also experience. It's getting to be social with other people you wouldn't necessarily be social with in the real world. Um, Huge art projects. Every year there's an effigy, which is a giant, like, three-story man, wooden man that they burn just because it's a piece of art that exists for the time that it's there, and then it goes up in flames. Oh, is that where the Burning Man title comes yes, from? Yes, that's Name where comes it comes from. from so. Cool. Um, but this, this event got so big that they started regionalizing it. So I am actually, Mike and I are one of, are two of the North Texas burner set. Um, they've got them all over the world. I mean, you can, there's actually a uh, site called Worldwide Burner Travel. So if you go to, say, Czechoslovakia and you need a couch to crash on, chances are there's going to be somebody there that also has the same sort of mentality. That's... So that's what we are. We have not been to the Big Burn yet. We're planning on that when Autumn Mike's daughter turns 18. And we're going to have an ambulance that we convert out to a camper. And we're going to take off and go to the desert. Oh, that's awesome. Provided we can get tickets. (laughs) Getting tickets is kind of a pain. Uh, I imagine they imagine. How, how, how much do they usually run? Uh, It's up to $400. But what you have to keep in mind is there's... A lot of things that go into this event, because it's not just like Lollapalooza, where you've got backers that, you know, you've got commercial stuff everywhere. You have Pepsi sponsoring, you've got, you know, Sony that's got their hands in pie, too. It's entirely non-commodified. So, there's something called the, um, the Ten, uh, the Tenants of Burning Ten Man. Commandments. <laughs> and it's the 10 rules, basically, that you go by. Um, one of them is it's a gifting society. So say you get all the way out to where you're camped at. You've got your water. You've got you know your food for the week. But you forgot your sunblock. Rather than going up to somebody and saying, hey, I'll trade you a box of ramen noodles for sunblock. You just say, does anybody have any sunblock? And they say, yeah, here we go. Here's a gift. And there's the idea is to have nothing expected out of it. Um, it, It's not a barter system. There's nothing for sale except for um, ice, and that's pretty much it. So that's the only thing that you can buy whenever you're on there. Um, And that goes for the regional ones, too, because they don't want it to become about money. They want it to be about the experience rather than who's making money off of this, off of that. It, it just, it ruins it. Oh, okay, because um, I actually thought the opposite of that. I thought it was just, uh, aside from the tickets that you bought, that the, every once you get inside, everything was actually based on barter and trade. No, no, it's entirely That you couldn't gifting. use money. It, right, no, yeah, it, there is no barter, there is no trade. That's why it's self radical self-reliance, is because you better make sure that you got everything that you need whenever you get out there, because... Once you get on land, you do, if you leave, you're done. You do, there is no come and go. You're, you're finished. Um, so that's why it's so important to be able to have resources of, hey, so-and-so brought this. I know I can go over here, and they'll gift it to me if I need it to. Um, also, this is how people express their um, art projects. So Mike and I's first Mischievia, which is the North Texas burn, um, which is on 400 acres out in East Texas. Really pretty land. Um, his, that's, that's when? When is that? Uh, that is in October. 
Okay. So it's perfect Texas weather. I mean, you're still going to get cool. the extremes. Like it was 90 degrees one day and the next day it went down to 60 and it turned into monsoon season. <laughs> but that's also part of the challenge is because with the regional burns, you don't know what it's going to be like. I mean, especially because it's North Texas. It's going right. to be crazy weather. Right. Now, the one in Always October, is. can you still buy tickets for it? Well, it, what it is is that they have a specific setup for ticket sales. So they will have, say, sales starting. Early sales will be, I'm, and like I said, this is my first one, so I don't know exactly the dates, but it kind of tends to change from year to year. Generally, they'll have first run ticket sales at about a couple months before the event happens, and then they shut it down okay. because how the event runs is based on volunteerism, which is another one of the tenants. So because there's no money involved, everything has to run based on volunteer hours that people give. Okay, Some people... That's their entire burn. They say, hey, I want to make this a great experience for other people. It makes me happy. I'm going to volunteer my time doing med tent or running the gate or doing fire brigade, something like that. Um, it's kind of expected that as a responsible burner, you volunteer at least at some point during the during the event. Because there's a lot of it that it turns out into a big party. I mean, and that's part of the fun. So, but you don't want to be the type of person that's only partying and not adding anything to it, you know. I went over and I puked on my neighbor's tent, but I didn't want to clean it up, so I went over here and I didn't volunteer. Yeah, that that sort of thing gets remembered. Yeah, and what about that story that you told me whenever Mike actually was part of the security and there was that big, huge military vehicle? <laughs> well, it wasn't security. That's part of gate duty. Oh, okay, yeah, um, yeah. So the theme this last year was all-out war because it was the 10th anniversary of the event. And so... You could take that to mean anything that you want to. Some people took it as like all out war on cancer. And so they based their art or their theme camp around that. Um, other people took it the military route. And there's a good amount of good natured banter and tricks playing and everything. And and people really, really got into the idea. There were There's kind of a hippie mentality somewhat because... I mean, it's it's a big party and out in the middle of the woods, you're gonna get hippies. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I can imagine. Um, so there's and it, because it is sort of a gifting thing, it it attracts that kind of crowd. My particular camp that I, the Chupacabra Policia are not hippies <laughs> in any stretch of the imagination. It's considered an insult, but none of that. Um, so this particular camp decided that they were going to bring in a full military transport vehicle one of the ones that folds out and becomes basically an apartment on wheels and it showed up with no notice at one in the evening <laughs> when the gates were supposed to be shut by midnight and the path that goes to the camp was mud by that point because it had already rained oh, and yeah. it's like how are we going to get this down there when it's barely just wide enough for one truck or say, you know, a motorhome, much less this massive thing. So he figured out how to be able to get it down there. It's like, park over there. We'll deal with you in the morning. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Chupacabra Policia people tend to be the ones and generally the ones who know what's going on, if not in charge. So that's why Mike's part of that and why I like to help out too. So let me ask you about the Ch Chupacabra Policia. Now, you, you said Mike's in a meeting tonight. <laughs> Sorry. You're going in the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
So he's in a meeting. You said he's in a meeting tonight. So um, is you you had invited us to a burn, but it's not the burn in October. This is one in that. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's actually three different things. So okay. there are multiple Texas burns that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that I invited you guys to is actually not an official burn. Okay. It's basically practice for the kids so that when they get old enough to be able to be in a burn, that they know what to expect. Oh, so you're a burn recruiter. Right. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I am not afraid. (laughs) The youngest is already talking about how she's excited that when she turns 18, we're going to take her out to the desert and she gets to be be part of it all. But she's, you've met her. She's creative and just an absolute crazy kid. Yeah. So. um, She's cute. So one of the things with the burn, with any regional burn that you end up going to, whether it's Mischievia, which is the one on October, or Flipside that's about to happen, I think, this month. We're not going to that one. Um, But you have a city planning. And city planning involves people that have different roles. So say someone that's in charge of sanctuary, which is if you take the brown acid and are having a really bad day, that's where you go to calm down. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Then you have, you know, the obviously the medical people, the fire people, um, some a lot of it is like the volunteer coordinator. All the people that are in leads in their particular area generally show up trade ideas say what's going on what's not it's actually extremely organized um so right like i said we're pretty new so he's making his presence right now and just letting him know hey i'm here to offer my input if you need it he's not an official member of the bat cave yet for the because you have to be voted in and Mm -hmm. They have a process that you go through, but he's he's being he's going there to kind of listen in and learn how that's going. So. Okay, that's awesome. So cool. Okay, so what you're saying is is that the one in in October is the real burn. The other ones are just intermediate well, burns. <laughs> no, because and there is no real real burn definition. It's it's kind of a joke because. People who have been to the Black Rock City one, which is the huge one, uh-huh. are like, burnier than thou? Oh, my gosh. I've been to the real burn. You guys don't count. And no. that's not the case at all. Yeah. Um, so, I'm trying to think. It's kind of like having different bowling teams. So, okay. Okay. <laughs> you've okay. got the Fort Worth versus the Dallas, and they all play the same game, but everybody has their own little quirks. Okay. So... Yeah, kind of like podcasting. Is a little bit more hardcore than Flipside. Flipside is the Austin one, and it tracks a lot of the Austin hippies. Uh-huh. So it's going to be very much more a "Hey man, how are you doing?" Casey you know, sort would of love, love that. Fest. Mischievia is hardcore chupa bowling, which is one of my favorite things to watch because what they do is they have this giant spiked bowling ball with like three inch spikes on it. Go up to the top of the three story scaffolding and have it attached to a rope that then they drop and you try to aim for the bowling pins and <laughs> try to make a strike. And it's it's absolute madness. But it's that sort of hardcore mentality versus I'm just here to camp and kind of being a cuddle puddle with everybody how many pins legitimately get damaged by playing that game though oh we make sure that everybody's out of the way i mean the the chupas are a little wild can are you guys you guys are okay with profanity on the radio right we got the explicit so the chupa motto is drink whiskey fuck women do meth hail satan 
Yay. Woo. So it is the anti-hippie. They actually call it the hippie ghetto because our camp is made entirely of this three stories worth of scaffolding uh-huh. and everything is black and red. I mean, we actually have an electrified fence that goes around it. But that being said, it's it's part of the art because it's it's meant to be scary, but most of the people that are in there, once you get to know them, really aren't that scary. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, don't whiz yeah. on the electric fence. Uh, yeah, I'm sure somebody's tried to do that at some <laughs> point. <laughs> don't touch the damn fence. <laughs> but to answer your question, yeah, there's different uh, there's different burns. The one that with uh, with the burn that you were talking about, the little burn, it's it's kind of a training burn. I mean, and the only reason that it came up was because when we came back from dropping Autumn in Galveston the last time, or from visiting her, um, we were going through Houston, and I don't know if you've been through Houston. It, I hate Houston. Houston traffic sucks. Mm-hmm. And two of our friends that have gone to Burns live in Houston, and so we were kind of joking back and forth, and I was like, you know, that would be really cute to be able to get a little mini burn going because they have kids. We have kids. There's a couple other people who are interested that also have kids. But you don't necessarily want to take your children to an actual sponsored burn. Right. Because <laughs> so, right. there's a lot of things like naked hippies and lots of drug use and alcohol and people freaking out. And, and there's all protocols for how to deal with that. You don't necessarily want to bring your six-year-old. Okay, so you're you're. It's like a kid can't burn. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah. that's kind of cool. One of the one of the other cool things about burns is that they have um, all of them that are official have something called an art grant. So say you go out and your theme camp is Camp Barbie Day Spa, and there actually is a Camp Barbie Day Spa, uh-huh. and what? you want to, seriously. That's that's their thing. Is that theme camps will have a deal where. They they want to offer something to the rest of the camps. And so Camp Barbie Day Spa, they have a do-it-yourself nail nail polish bar, and they offer free massages. They'll do body scrubs. If you've been stinky, nasty for three days in the sun and the heat and the filth and are feeling just gross, they've got people who will scrub you down and give you a sponge bath and scent you with beautiful smells. I can't do that. Yeah, after four days, <laughs> it's a little tempting. No, I mean, I can't. I can't be the one to offer that service. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good point. Yeah. yeah. These people, when they give, they really give. Yeah. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, right. But that's why they have it is because there are that's their thing. That's what makes them happy. That's what their contribution is. Yeah. Um, so say they wanted to build a new tree full of dead Barbies, which they have dead Barbies hanging around. <laughs> a tree of full of dead Barbies. Yeah. That's, I'm that's trying to picture thing. this. It's Oh, it's pretty fun. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Um, but they don't have the money for it because you've got your camp dues in most cases, but the money for art has to come from somewhere. And if you don't have enough materials at home, you put in an art grant. Mm-hmm. And it's just like anything else that you would be asking for a grant for. you got the paperwork to fill out. And you say, this is my project. This is what I'm doing. This is what I need the money for. And whether or not they approve it, so much money they happen to have and how much effort you put into and it. And they are the, like, board over the whole entire burn? There's, no, there's actually a specific um, category just for art grant people. So, art grant money uh-huh. is handled typically by the art grant committee. And the art grant committee is part of 
Yeah, and they're the part burn. of the, okay. whatever region it happens to be in. Flipside has its own art grants. Mischievia has its own art grants. It's independent from the big one. And that money comes from people paying to go to this? Mm, if there's any leftover money at the end of the burn, typically yes. A lot of times people will give donations to. And that's where most of it comes from. Okay. Is people have been thankful that they've had grants given to themselves. and Or they just want to give back to the community. Here's five bucks or here's however much I'm donating. Okay. And that way other people have a chance to make their art. That's awesome. That is awesome. So that's what that's part of what we're doing with the, with the mini burn is I want the kids to learn how to do this. And it's practice for the real world for whenever they get to be 18 and go to their own burns. They already know what the protocol is. Um, the other thing is, is that Autumn has a hard time reading because she's dyslexic. Mm-hmm. And this is a good way to get her to sit down, plan out, think. Because I said, you know, approach it like it's an English paper. You're going to need to get everything in a row. You're going to get counted off if you have net speak or if you don't capitalize you miss a comma or something, I'm not going to worry about it, but it needs to be neat and readable because that's what they're looking for in the real world. Oh yeah, definitely. So, So, okay. Let's find out how to actually look this up. Is there a way to, um, contact you, you know, for the, the, what is it? The one in July? That's actually, like I said, it's a mini one. It's just a private one. This, oh, it's a private one? This is one? not actually a public one. But you eventually want to make it public with Maybe. kids? Maybe. Uh, it's, it's, it's something that we just just came up with last month. So, okay. I mean, it's still, oh, okay. in the, it's still in the planning stages. Okay. I think it would be great to be able to have another alternative just because the one in East Texas is in East Texas. But it's servicing the North Texas area. So, we've got to drive a couple hundred miles to get to a place where it's not as convenient for everybody as it should be. So right. it would be nice to have one in the North Texas area, but that involves land. I'm broke. <laughs> right. I have a backyard. I can't fit 800 people into a backyard. Oh, no, no shit. <laughs> okay, well, what about the one in October? How do people actually go in and sign up for it? How do they pay for it? Where do they go and look at the details for it? Is there a website? Um, there. Well, for... For the big burn, like you could go to burningman.org right now, and that would be the one in Vegas. So that if you wanted to learn the basics on how it works, that's probably the best place. Um, the regional burns, they have websites, but you typically have to be invited in or know someone. Okay. So you ha- it's like having a sponsor. So you have to yeah. okay. have somebody like that's in thing. there already that says, hey, go to this website. And because there's a lot of people who don't get what the whole thing is, you don't necessarily want to bring everybody and Bob and his brother and stuff, especially okay. if you don't know them. Okay. Um, so you kind of have to be vouched that for. That makes sense. That makes sense. So, And it's not because you know anything bad is going on. It's just that people fear what they don't understand. Right. And I don't feel like having Fred Phelps show up at my doorstep. <laughs> Was that the West... Minister, Westboro Baptist, Westboro Baptist <laughs> Church. Guy. Well, he's dead now, so oh, well, he wouldn't be showing I don't up anyway. Corpse on my doorstep either, right, or yeah, any no of his joke. followers that yeah. are extremists. Um, yeah, I don't, actually, I don't know if the mischievous site, if the mischievous Facebook page is public or not. I th- let me check real quick. Well, talk amongst yourselves. Actually, I could probably be the one to tell you since I'm not a part of it. Yeah, look this up really quick. I'll just edit out the silence. The double silence, or triple silence, actually. 
Remember I coined that last week. Woo! Triple silence. What? And Fiznucka. Fiznucka? Yeah. You don't remember me saying that? And coining it oh, last Lord. Week? I didn't think you were going to say it again. Yes, I just did. Yeah, I know. I heard you. Mischievia. It's a closed group, it looks like. Well, actually, there's Mischievia Power Share that came out, and then that's closed. Is it M I S C H? Sharing with Power. Yeah, it's not letting me see it. Yeah. No, you sharing. Oh, wait a minute. You know what? I put I E. Is it I E or E? Um, it'll it'll find it if you have at least the first half of the word. Welcome to sing number five, spelling with Shelly. Yeah, it's not there. So. Well, and then depending on how far into the year it is, they may mm-hmm. have taken down last year's and just not put up this year's yet, which is probably most likely. Okay. Um, there's a new one that's actually being started in Oklahoma by um, a friend of ours who's one of the chupas. That's he's he just decided, you know what, I want to burn where I'm living, so he created it all himself, and it's turning out to be a really good um, event so far. All right. Well. You'll have to come back on and let us know how it turns out. Okay, definitely. Definitely. Sorry for being so exclusive, those that are listening. (laughs) What? Exclusive? What are you talking about? Oh, yeah, because it it seems like like the group that she belongs to and the one in East Texas are like private groups. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Uh, Right. Yeah, no, but if anybody wants to find out about how burns work, um, go to burningman.org, and that will answer all of your questions, everything from... What do I need to bring out to survive in the desert for a few days? To uh, what kind of art do do you bring? To you know, how does the gifting economy work? So it covers pretty much everything you could ever want to know on it. And I bet there's some contacts. Our camels there welcome <laughs> on the website. I bet there's some contacts on the website for this area mm-hmm. in case you wanted to get into a Burning Man over here. I'm yeah. sure there is. I mean. Uh, y- you type in burners and North Texas, Dallas, Fort mm-hmm. Worth, and you'll come up with something. Um, yeah, Burning Man is awesome. It's it's a really good experience and a great way to meet new people. Awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. Well, how about well, how would you guys like to hear about some obscure Mario facts? Well, hold on one second because I got to tell you something about your mom. <laughs> You're bringing up my mom, our mom again. Because she just posted on Facebook. She said, I sit all the way the furthest corner of the venue at the Interactive Magic Show. And who does he call on? The family thought this was hilarious. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's because she was sitting in the far corner. That's uh, right. what he looked and he, for. Yeah, I think they were looking for her. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I have found 11 obscure Super Mario trivia facts uncovered decades later by the internet. And actually, some of these make sense to me. I wasn't actually 100% privy to them, but it makes sense. The first one here, what, what? Nothing, go ahead. Why are you bulging your eyes? No, it's okay. Because I think this is cool, but go ahead, babe. Okay, okay. All right. So I'm just going to read these in no particular order here. I found these on 11points.com, actually. First off, on the U.S. cover art of the very first Super Mario Brothers game for the NES, it actually depicts a shot where mario is about to die because and i actually i'm actually seeing it shows the cover art and it shows a spot which actually shows the entire game shot and it shows mario about to descend into the lava and get hit with a fireball at the exact same time (laughs) so what better way to advertise the game by showing the main character who's about to lose his life right on 
Right on. Second one is the official sequel to Super Mario Brothers 2 isn't quite what you think it was. It was actually going to be called... Um, the, the one that we got here was actually a localization of a game that was released in Japan called Doki Doki Panic. And all it was is that they, they took out the main characters, kept all the enemies, kept most of the music, and put in Mario, Luigi, Toad, and Peach as the playable characters. The original game that Super Mario Bros. 2 that was supposed to come here was actually... Well, we saw it later on the Super Nintendo called Super Mario Bros. Lost Levels, but it was actually essentially the exact same game as the first Super Mario Brothers. The only difference is that you could either... It was only one player, and you could either play as Mario or you could play as Lu- Luigi, and they had slight differences between the two of them. But otherwise, it was the exact same game, but it wasn't released here because... The people at Nintendo thought it was... They didn't want to give them the rehash of the exact same game, number one. And number two, they thought it would be too difficult for, you know, for Americans to play. See, you said Doki Doki Panic, and I'm just thinking yeah. the poo bus is backed up. <laughs> 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 and actually, Doki Doki... Well, the word Doki, it's like an onomatopoeia. It's like boom in our language. And it's actually something that you say... That they say over there to described by someone's heart beating. Instead of going thump thump, they say doki doki. So. Well, I don't know oh. if it's boom. I'd, I'd be worried too if I was on the poo bus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> ha ha. Number three, the, cl- the creator of Mario wanted to give the character a hilarious bad name. His, his original name for Donkey Kong was actually Jumpman. But before that, they were going to name him Mr. Video, which was short for Mr. Video Game. But they thought that was t- way too cliche, so they came up with Jumpman instead, which that's not. Another thing, number four, the clouds and the bushes in Super Mario Brothers 1 are the exact same graphic. They're just different colors. I've never noticed that before. Number five, Mario was actually modeled after Popeye. Donkey Kong was originally supposed to be a game that was about Popeye, but they couldn't get the licensing and they didn't have the money. So they actually threw in their, so they actually threw in their own characters instead and called it you know, and called Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong was actually supposed to be Brutus, and, you know, the chick at the top, Pauline, was supposed to be Olive. And every single, number six, every single brick in Super Mario Brothers 1 is supposed to be a trapped human. <laughs> no kid read the Super Mario Brothers instruction manual back in the day when they got the game. The game was intuitive enough just to grab and play. Either that or you already played it at a friend's house, and it didn't need any reading to get in the way of playing, so it wasn't until... Years later, that the game's backstory from the manual actually became more common knowledge. <laughs> so every block that you're hitting from underneath, you're actually killing a person, an innocent person. Way to go, Nintendo censorship plan. <laughs> Number seven, there's a Mario sewing game in Japan, and Mario knitting in ga- the Mario knitting game almost came to the U.S. Um, apparently, there was an odd but persistent desire to incorporate sewing and Mario's. In spite of all common sense, I would say that the two fan bases are about as mutually exclusive as it gets. Yeah, that's just... I've heard about some obscure peripherals for the NES back in the day, but I never heard about that one. Number eight. The music that plays when you get a mushroom is the same as the music that plays when you beat a level. Just sped up. Wait a minute. Hold on. Let me see this again. The music that plays when you get a mushroom is the same as the music that plays when you beat a level. I don't see how. 
I'll have to listen to that on YouTube if there's actually a video de- dedicated to this because it. Okay. <laughs> Number nine. Mario <laughs> doesn't break bricks with his head, he breaks it with his hand. Actually, I knew this one, but a lot of people, they just assume that since you're jumping in from underneath it, <laughs> they don't actually notice that he has his fist in the air, but his yeah. fist is actually what hit, makes contact with the block, and I've seen video to prove this. Number 10, part of Super Mario Brothers 3 is modeled after Japan. Oh, and I didn't know this. I recognize this. I recognize the screenshot here. Apparently, where, in World 3, where the castle is, there's a castle that's located in a spot that's corresponding directly to the city of Kyoto, where Nintendo's headquarters is. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah, and even the, the strategically placed like outer islands are almost in the same place. That's awesome. Cool. And finally, number 11. Viable conspiracy theories that none of the first three Mario games actually happened. Hmm. We've had a... Okay, so it goes on to say they've had a lot of time to think about them and... People have found credible reasons that the earliest Mario games never happened. Goes on to say Super Mario Brothers is the result of Bowser's dark magic that completely undone was undone by the princess when Mario rescues her. Only she had the power to reverse what he had done. That's weird. Super Mario Brothers 2 all happens in Mario's dream, which I knew that. It shows at the very end. The ending of the game proves that you see Mario's asleep. Even the inscript, the instruction manual says it takes place in Subcon, which is clearly short for sub the subconscious. Super Mario Brothers 3 is just a play. At the beginning of the game, the curtain rises. All the blocks in the game cast shadows and are clearly hammered into the sets. And when you finish a level, the sets and scenery, the sets and the scenery end, and you exit the stage. That is true. So, in conclusion, your childhood was a lie. Thanks, Internet. <laughs> nice those are interesting some of those i never knew knew before <laughs> all right well it's time to end this debacle once again i'd like to thank my sister heather once again for joining us and for explaining and enlightening us and the entire world well not quite at least the ones listening yeah <laughs> of the experience known as known as the burn but yes it was very very educational which thank is you very not a disease a sexually transmitted disease I don't know. You haven't met some of the camps out there. <laughs> well, I'm sure that's Gilder, a word. Gildies. <laughs> oh, was that a Kings of Leon joke? Your sex is on fire? No. Okay. <laughs> I, okay, I don't get it. All right. Tell me later. That's because right. you've never had an STD. That's why, baby. Thank God. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I have, but I've read about them. All right. So if you're local to the DFW area and are interested in being a guest, you can always drop us a line at fujiwa at gmail.com. That's F-U-J-I-W-A-H at gmail.com. Or you can send a message to the Robotuners Insignificant podcast Facebook page, or if you know me personally, Matt Thomas. I'd like to give a shout out to all the local podcasts that I support The Jerry Jonestown Massacre, Whiskey Boy Radio, Digital Frustrations, Atypical DFW Podcast, The Funky Tong Podcast, Brad Reviews an Album, Bro Apocalypse, and We the Gamer. And finally, The Ned Files out of Buena Park, California. Until then, thank you for listening. Keep on burning people, and we will see you next week. Red Pants. Send all praises, critiques, and death threats to fujiwa at gmail.com. That's F-U-J-I-W-A-H at gmail.com. Copyright 2015, Fujiwa Entertainment. All rights reserved.